0: And welcome to another episode of the InQtel Podcast. I am your host Vishal Sandesara, and on today's episode, we talk about open data in the lab. Here with me, I have Todd Stavish, who's the deputy director of Lab 41, and we have Carl Nee, who is the technical director of Lab 41, and dialing in remotely via Skype, we have Jed Sundwall, the lead of the AWS Open Data Initiative. Uh, Todd, say hi. Hello, everyone.
1: Carl, say hi. Hey
0: guys, how's it going? Jed, thanks for joining.
2: Hello, thanks.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: No problem. Uh, So to reiterate, today we're getting uh, together to talk a little bit about uh, open data in general, uh, why it's important, what it means to be an open data set, uh, how it's different from other types of data, and uh, what Amazon is doing in the field of open data research and analytics. Um, So why don't we we just jump right in? Um, First question directed towards Jed. Jed, what is uh, Amazon's definition of uh, open data, and uh, what's the motivation behind it?
1: So, you know, th- there's a pretty clear definition of open data out there. Um, I think it's, there was a website, there's probably still there called opendefinition.org uh, that says that op- open data is uh, data that anybody can use for any purpose uh, without license restrictions, um, you know, and, and asking, I think, only for attribution. I think that was sort of their definition of it. We have a a, a much looser definition of, of open data, I would say, within our program. Um, our... Our objective is to make data easier uh, for more people to use. Or, or another way of saying it is we just try to expand access to, access to data and make sure that people you know, who, who couldn't access data before can access data now, You know, uh, make it easier for people to get to it. And so in a lot of cases, that's government data um, or data that's produced by research organizations that, that fits the definition that I mentioned before. Like there are no license restrictions on it. You can do whatever you want with it. Um, but we also work with data that's, uh, you know, restricted access. So it might be uh, healthcare data. It might be data that uh, people want to say, you know, you can use this, but you can't use it for commercial purposes. You can use it for academic research, but, uh, you know, don't, don't don't try to commercialize it. We're fine working with those, those kinds of data sets um, as long as we can make them easier to work with. So uh, we're not really rigid about it, but what we're trying to do is just make it easier for people to... To find interesting data to work with and, and learn from.
2: Maybe you can kind of elaborate on what uh, what it means to be easier to work with. Um, is it like just uh, kind of being able to access or download it easier or faster? What what are those? Uh, what, what do you mean by that?
1: Yeah, so that's a that's a good question. Um, so there's a lot of there's a lot of data out there that is uh, you know like it's open in theory. You know, uh, there might not be license restrictions on it. You might be able to work with it, but it's also huge, so, um, you know, another funny definition that we don't really have a clear definition for, I don't think anybody really does, is, like, big data, like, <laughs> what is big data? There's um, there's a tweet not too long ago, somebody said, you know, big data is, oh, no, somebody wrote this in a blog post. Um, it was like, big data is anything over 100 gigabytes, like, if it's too <laughs> big to fit on your laptop, it's big data. It like does the next seem question.
2: one of those arbitrary, like, um, uh measures, I suppose, at what you call big and then enormous and what type of data are those or something. It, is, it i do kind of really commiserate with you on the, the terminology.
1: Yeah. I mean well so like just to give you an idea, like in our program, the public data set program, we you know we host data sets that are, you know, gigabyte scale, you know, there may be like you know a few hundred gigabytes or something like that, up to like petabyte scale data sets. And so but the reality is is that if you are north of about hundred gigabytes, data is hard to get like it's it's going to take a long time to download um and you might not have space locally to work with it uh you might use almost you certainly don't have enough memory um locally to so load it up into an application or anything like that so um as data volumes grow larger making them open is much more complex than just saying like hey come download this right um and so what we do is we stage data for analysis in the cloud uh, so that if people want to work with the data, instead of actually having to acquire their own copy and spend time downloading it and have uh, you know local storage space to store it, they can turn on computing resources in the cloud, uh, you know, as many as they want or, you know, whatever sort of powerful resources they want. If they need GPUs, they can do that. If they need a lot of memory or a lot of cores, they have that flexibility. And they can work with the data that way. And so that's what that's what I'm talking about when I say making the data easier to access. We basically want to make it possible for people to, work with the data without even having to, to store their own copy of it. Uh, and because of that, we tend to work with large data sets, you know, l- large volumes of data.
0: That's pretty interesting. Jed, tell me a little bit about um, who else is doing, it, it, you know, it's, it, obviously you're representing Amazon uh, and they have the open data initiative and it certainly makes sense for a company like Amazon to host and provide the sort of the, in the rails to, to make data more accessible, uh, perhaps offer services on top of it to make it um, more interpretable. Uh, who are the other, are there other people, are there other places for data uh, that people go to when it comes to open data or, uh, you know, is there sort of a central repository, is is open data it?
1: Uh, I mean, for, for AWS, what, so the place to go for, to see what we do, first of all, is, is registry.opendata.aws, um, or if you just want to go to opendata.aws, you'll, you, you can get there. But the, the registry is where we show off all the data that we, uh, that it's available through the... AWS public data set program, um, and other data sets that are available on AWS. Awesome. Typically, now, but but typically, I mean, to answer your question, like, you know, you get, you get open data from research institutions, universities always have, you know, they'll either have FTP servers or they've got download portals. Um, over the past 10 years, we've seen this huge proliferation in government organizations, uh, setting up open data portals and things like that in response to open data policies. So there is no one-stop shop. I mean, for us, uh, Stuff that you know you can get on AWS, I just told you to go to opendata.aws and you'll find it. But um, there's still a whole universe of open data out there being provided by lots of different people.
3: Well, Jed, on that uh, note, um, so long time user uh, of the open data platform. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, one of the, we've seen the evolution, like even the registry and the ability to search um, versus the early days. Where do you see uh, the open data platform going? Uh, will, you, will you include basic visualization for, I don't know, like, uh, standard imagery formats? Um, or do you think like pushing into sort of more advanced features would, uh, you know, be too many bells and whistles for your, uh, your user base?
1: So that's, I, yeah, this is an interesting one, uh, because we, we definitely deliberately take a very, uh, I think primitive approach to, to making data available. And I think that primitive sounds like kind of bad, uh, I think, you know, cause people think it's like not good, but, um, if you look at a lot of our services, you know, AWS generally, uh, things like, I mean, it's it's actually in the name of S3. So Amazon S3 is Amazon's simple storage service. The idea is to provide a very fundamental uh, service offering that can be used extremely flexibly, you know, and it's like sort of a great starting point to do uh, whatever you want and uh, whatever you need to do it. So we, we take the same approach with data where we don't we don't really have opinions on how the data should be used and how it should be visualized and and uh, you know what applications you should use with it. What we try to focus on is, like I said before, I right, making acquisition a lot easier, right? So, if you could work with a terabyte of data without having to have a terabyte of storage, um, that'll change the way that you think about your research. That'll change the way you think about you know the, the problems that you're going after. When it comes to uh, providing tools to do that, we don't we don't want to necessarily promote any particular way to do it. Now, the the one thing that you may have seen though with the, with the registry, so you know we we one of the coolest features of the registry of open data on AWS uh, is that it's backed by GitHub, and if anybody produces a, a tool or a demo or a tutorial that can be used with that data, they can add it to GitHub. So they can they can go to GitHub and, and submit a pull request, and then it'll show up on the registry. So, for example, we host a bunch of data uh, from the IRS. So the IRS they make all the nonprofit tax filing data available, and uh, we we have all that in S3. And I I don't think anybody would you know the IRS would be like sad to hear me say this, but like the documentation for working with the data there's some gaps in it. You know the IRS says you know here's the data here's how to work with it. Um, but there's there's some gaps in that documentation. It could be maybe a little bit easier to understand, or and, and there are some, some nuances to understand about the data that isn't obvious in the IRS's documentation. But there's a strong community of users around that data uh, that are filling in those gaps. So if you go to the IRS um, data listing on the registry, you'll see there are all sorts of tutorials and tools that people have built to make it easier for people to approach the data. And in fact, just today, somebody submitted a, a pull request Uh, with a tutorial on how to work with the data. So that's kind of the approach we're taking is like, we just want to make the data easy to get. And then we also want to, we've created this way to allow the community to to show one another, here's how to do cool stuff with the data.
0: That's awesome. Jed, so I want to take a step back.
1: Um, Sure.
0: It sounds sounds like there's a lot of great stuff being done in terms of making the registry easy to access. uh, Furthermore, making the data uh, usable and more approachable and reducing some of the frictions associated with working with large data sets. But if we take a step back from that, um, sure. let's say I'm a researcher uh, or perhaps I'm a, a government institution. You, just, uh, you mentioned the IRS. Um, what, why do I want to put my uh, put my data on uh, on any open data platform? It, what, do I stand to get anything or is it truly because I have some sort of uh, philanthropic uh, underpinning to, to making this data available?
1: Mm, okay, so yeah, so why, why do this in the first place? Um... It's a, it's a really gnarly question. Uh, I think at a very basic level, the answer is, you know, if you're going through the trouble of making data, like creating data in the first place, uh, I would assume that you want it to be useful. Um, you want to put it to work and, and actually have it drive some sort of outcome. Uh, we, I always talk about Joy's Law. So if you've ever seen me present, I think every time I, I, I'm like on stage, I always talk about uh, what's called Joy's Law. Bill Joy was the co-founder of Sun Microsystems, and he said this in relation to open source software. He said, "No matter where you work, most of the smartest people in the world work for someone else," um, and which that that seems to be like a pretty defensible statement. You know, like no one organization houses you know or employs like all of the smartest people in the world. And in the case of open source software, the idea is that you know if you're writing something, if you're writing some sort of code and you want to take advantage of all the smart people out there, make that code open and available to people so that they can debug it for you or they can add new features for you um, and, and everybody can benefit. And any successful open source project, and of course not all open source projects are successful, but the successful ones that really benefit from that. And so I, I think of open data in the same way. It's like you know, if you're a government organization and you're, you're investing a lot in producing data, presumably you want it to be used. And, and that's definitely the case for like scientific agencies uh, that spend a ton of money like on sensors or whatever, and they wanna get that data out to the research community. In the case of the IRS, it's a really interesting one. Um, you know, they're required by law to do it, and so it, it, it's an interesting case to think about because they there is real value for the IRS to make the nonprofit tax filing data, but it's not, obvious where in the organization like that, like who in the organization of the IRS is like getting getting that value, right? So one obvious one with nonprofit tax filing data would be some sort of like law enforcement group. Now, I don't know if the IRS does its own law enforcement or if this is something the FBI does to like root out fraud within the nonprofit sector, but those stakeholders would definitely have an interest in getting this data out there in the world so people can can look at it. So journalists can dig into the into the tax filings, and other, you know, curious uh, watchdog type people can can do that um, and expose perhaps uh, we could just say anomalies, right, in in the filings. Yeah, that makes sense.
0: And actually, yeah. as a uh, as an open source lab ourselves, Lab Forty One, we uh, certainly resonate with the concept of taking advantage of uh, some of the benefits of uh, open source software development. Um, the analogs to open data seem uh, very very. Um, uh, I don't know. It, the intuition is there. I, I can see the intuition sort of being applied there as well. Um, question about uh, open data versus perhaps uh, a naive sense of understanding around its opposite, closed data. Is there such right. a thing? Um, to me it sounds like if, if you can't download it for free and you have to pay for it, that, that's my concept of closed data. Um, mm-hmm. I guess who's winning there uh, and is there more open than, clo- than, than private or proprietary data or where, where are we uh, sort of in the marketplace of data when it comes to those two?
1: I mean, well, it's tricky, right? So, like, how, how much data is there in the world? Uh, a lot, you know, <laughs> I'm sure. I know that people are always doing, like, research on this. Like, we're now producing, like, yottabytes of data or something like that. My, my assumption is that most data is closed and proprietary, right? Like, so, you know, there's a lot of data that um, is either, you know, for an organization, it's, it's proprietary because it has to do with their business operations and they don't want to open it up. Um, you know, from the government perspective, there's data that the government houses obviously uh, that if that were open, it would it would pose you know all sorts of security um, risks, um, tons of personally, identifi- personally identifiable information in there. So there's there's a lot of just straight up closed data that like it's never going to be on the market ever, right? Um, I do think though, and this is kind of controversial coming from an open data guy, I think, um, because a lot of the, the the open data movement can be very zealous. I think that's fair to say. Um, And there's a strong bias towards, you know, saying, you know, information wants to be free and it should be free. I think I think there's a a future for data, um, more data being sold. I think there's data that's out there that uh, people are producing that they would at least like to recover costs or make a little bit of margin on it um, and that they would make it available to people if they could if they could justify it financially. And I I'm okay with that. Um, You know, there are a lot of people that are trying to figure out how to do that. Uh, and in fact, it, it, an interesting example of this is a company called Car Astro that um, they recently started providing uh, NOAA satellite data as a streaming service. So what they've done is they've taken NOAA's um, weather satellite GOES-16 and uh, basically set up a, a service that that pipes that out through you know a streaming interface that you can subscribe to and uh, and pay for that. And so and what they're saying is like, look, we can make this data available to you in a very useful way. And we'll provide it as a service, and we'll be on the hook to make sure that it's there for you. Um, and I think that's a pretty interesting, interesting model. So I, I think uh, to answer your question, there's a lot of gray in between open data and fully closed data, and I think there's room for for a marketplace for, you know, for monetized data.
3: Yeah, it's I mean, hard. I'd agree. I mean, we saw it uh, when we. I mean, our first project with Amazon Open Data was the the uh, SpaceNet um, uh, imagery uh, satellite imagery corpus. And, right. you know, at, at, in the early days, you know, we, we were working with our partners at Digital Globe uh, and they were a, they sold pixels. Um, they were a data uh, provider uh, and that's how they monetized the uh, the expensive satellites they built, the expensive, high capable <laughs> satellites that they built. And um, you know, we, we worked with them and you know, the, the conversation was, you know, we see machine learning, uh, deep learning in particular automating um, some of the things that were manual in the past. And you will in the future and in, in probably you know, this was a few years ago. Now you could monetize those analytics just like you monetize your data. <clears throat> but in order to sort of push the science forward and, and, and know how to do that, you know, why don't you release some of that proprietary data for free uh, for people to download um, with, you know, as open or as permissive licenses you're comfortable with. Uh, and, and, you know, help it develop. Um, and I think, you know, looking back at history and the amount of innovation that's occurred from that, it, it's been a, you know, success story.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, and, I, and I would agree, too. I mean, we worked on, I think, most recently, a speech uh, data set. We're going to kind of try to plug that a little bit here. <laughs> Shameless uh, yeah. plug. <laughs> Which I think also uh, we're very happy to work with Amazon with as well. Um, in the speech community especially also, I mean, there are a lot of data sets, too. Um, there are... I think one of the larger holders of data sets uh, you have to pay for it and for I think this is actually great for like some companies that have access to some of these these data sets that they can buy. I think for the average researcher from the academic side um, a lot of the times the professors don't necessarily have the money to pay for these things too. Um, So I think we definitely very much appreciate like open data as a whole uh, making it free and, and available for most people. So to, to quickly, for our,
0: for our listeners, uh, Todd was just mentioning the SpaceNet uh, corpus, and Carl was talking about the Voices corpus. Um, we'll have a little bit more information on on sort of the impetus for and how to access those in a little bit. But, Jed, uh, question to you. So we just talked yeah. about uh, a satellite corpus, and we just talked about a, a corpus of audio recordings. Um, from your sense, uh, from, what, what, from what's being made available through the registry on, on the uh, open data registry at AWS, uh, what are some of the... What are some of the types of data that you're seeing? I mean, again, we've talked about uh, overhead satellite imagery. We've talked about audio. Uh, what what other kinds of things are you seeing as being widely available through open data?
1: Um, I mean, so there's a there's an issue here, which is that you know our team tends to focus on a few things that were or uh, we've seen a lot of traction and where we've developed relationships with people. So we have a, a pretty broad uh, interest in Earth observation data, so which includes, yes, overhead satellite imagery, uh, it includes mapping data like OpenStreetMap data uh, we make available. And then I would also include in that uh, you know, a lot of meteorological data that we host. So we've kind of, you know, we've had some success working with uh, communities that work with uh, you know, satellite imagery and then meteorological data. We've doubled down on that. So we kind of have a bias built into the program now uh, where we go after those kinds of data sets. We also have a lot of genomic data, um, and then uh, and then increasingly, you know, there's an inter- there's interest in in anything that can be useful for training machine learning models. You know, that that's something that's exciting to us and exciting to a lot of the people that we work with. Uh, but there's, I, I say this all with this caveat that like there's a lot more out there that I wish we could be getting, and I'm I'm always like kind of nervous about the fact that I'm like, are we only going after the data that we we know about and that we're familiar with, and like, what else are we missing? And that's actually one of the reasons why we built the registry, um, is that anybody, you know, if they're making data available and it's available on AWS, they can just submit a pull request on, on GitHub, and it'll be listed in the registry. Um, you know, we have some contribution guidelines to make sure people don't share anything uh, untoward uh, or anything like that. But uh, you know, we, but that's we, we're. My hunch is is that you know. I'm not the right person to ask, right? Like I have my answers about stuff that I'm you know that we're interested in and in, in traction that we're seeing in. But I'm always really nervous that like our biases are, are keeping us from seeing a lot of different data sets that are out there.
2: Jeff, you mentioned um, there are a few data sets that you would love to get or there's a few there's some types of data you would you would love to get. Can you kind of maybe expand on that? Like I'm just curious, like what are the data sets that uh, you would just love to get your hands on and, and make available for everybody?
1: Yeah, so I think you know, one um anybody who works with me would would laugh hearing me say this because i'm a broken record on this one around the office is, is statistical and regulatory data so and by st- statistical and regulatory data is you know like census data um and then data like uh, reporting data so the nonprofit tax filing data is a good example of sort of what, what i would consider regulatory data um which is you know reporting data that is required by by a regulator um or for regulatory purposes these data sets are super valuable um and there's but they're super scattered right every now and then uh it happens a couple times a year somebody will come up to me and be like you know it'd be really great if you had if we had statistics um like crime statistics for the entire united states so we could like compare cities and stuff like that and you know i enthusiastically agree with that statement It would be very nice if we had that but nobody you know nobody's actually gathered all that data um because you'd have to go to all these different administrative organizations to gather it and put it together, um, and normalize it, and standardize, you know, the, the headers and, and documentation and things like that. And it's it's just a really expensive effort. It's it's a it's a coordination effort. It's not a technological challenge. Um, but that's the kind of stuff that I'm I'm really wish would we'd be able to see more of. Um, and I'm not really sure what the answer to that is. I mean, I think there there are groups like, uh, and I don't want to pin this on them because. I'm not sure that they're up for this kind of thing, but you know, like the Urban Institute or like Pew that do a lot of interesting work um, gathering and, and making these kinds of data sets available. I, I think it might be some kind of sort of nonprofit or some other kind of organization that that does this work because I don't think it's reasonable to expect government, you know, every city in the United States to be able to organize to do this.
3: Jed, but there, anyway, that
1: yeah, that's, that's what I think Is there a mechanism,
3: like just to jump on this thread, is there a mechanism yeah. that Amazon has to like, I don't know, um, Offer compute resources, like you know, so we could unleash like an infinite amount of lambdas on that problem to convert them all to the same sort of format on uh, the crime statistics.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I, I can't offer infinite anything, uh, but we can provide grants of, of resources. I mean, the listen, lambda. You can do a lot of you can do a lot with lambda for for not a not a ton of money. Um, so yeah, we do have a research credits program. Uh, if you go to aws.amazon.com/grants, uh, you can find out how to sign up for that, and so that's available for uh, for university researchers for the most part um, to to do this kind of thing. And then we have other other programs to support nonprofits who are doing uh, innovative things in research like that to to do this sort of stuff.
0: Hey, Jen. Uh, earlier you mentioned uh, genomic data as being uh, some of the types of uh, holdings, uh, you know, being the type of holdings that you you have. Uh, Naive question. um, With open data, how much of a concern or is it not a concern at all is any sort of security around the data set? I mean, um, it's open data, so I imagine, you know, fairly minimal, but uh, what are your thoughts around, you know, are there any reasons why there should be any sort of security controls around open data or is it just wide open?
1: Oh no! Yeah, there should definitely be security controls. So yeah, I security and open data is a fun thing for me to talk about. Um, for you know, I'm the kind of person who thinks that talking about security is fun. Because uh, <laughs> a lot of people think oh, it's open data, so you don't really have to worry about security. So y- you absolutely do uh, for two reasons. One, you want to make sure that whatever pipeline you're using to gather and then put the data out there and make it available is secure, right? So that like when we say this is the tax filing for you know, this organization, that like it's actually the thing, right? Um, that's, that's super important. You don't want any sort of tampering uh, before the stuff gets out there. And then going back to my point before, I think what we opened with is this discussion, like what is open data, right? Um, there, there are two corpuses of, of cancer genome data. Uh, it's called, the, there's the Cancer Genome Atlas, and then the International Genome, let's see, ICGC, it's uh, the International Cancer Genome Consortium. Uh, so they those these are two corpuses, corpa, Corpi. something like that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah of, uh, <laughs> of cancer genome data that they're only available to credentialed researchers. Mm-hmm. So this is the kind of stuff where it's like, it's open-ish, right? It's the kind of thing that if you're a credentialed researcher, you you should have access to this, but it's not the kind of thing that should be open. Um, it contains patient data. and uh, And that's where you know i i think it's the work that we do is is really i mean i think it's important we want to make sure that the researchers who want to do stuff with that data can access it without going through a, a world of hurt just trying to get a copy of it um so th- those are controlled access data sets that we make available and uh even though they're you know available on the registry of open data on aws they, they don't technically meet i think uh, what a lot of people would say is the definition of open data um i'm okay with that because we're we're making it more open than it was before
0: and what about success how, how do you how does uh, Amazon think about how successful an open data set is are there certain metrics you're, you're keeping track of after a, a, a data set makes its way in the registry uh, or, or perhaps keeping track of demand in some way
1: yeah so we keep our eyes on, on a few things I mean one we we do look at bytes moving so you know are people accessing this data um, how many people are accessing it we don't look very deeply um, that's not it's not our, our business, you know. We don't really want to like get too involved in figuring out who's working with the data. Um, but so we do look at, at bytes moving, and um, sort of like the, the volume of users that are interested in the data. Uh, but for me, the most uh, the most important thing are usage examples. Uh, this is something that I, I I really we really really emphasize, and especially on the registry. Uh, like I said before, if anybody has like a, a demo or an app or tutorial that they've done on the data, um, they can submit a pull request on GitHub, and we'll list that on the registry. That is critical to me because I think a lot of the open data uh, movement, for a long time, has has operated under an assumption, which is very appealing, which is that like if you open up your data, then people will do stuff with it. Um, that's it's possible, you know. I mean, so. It is true if you don't open up your data people won't you know people won't be able to do stuff with it but that doesn't necessarily mean that like if you make your data open magical people are gonna come out and start doing cool stuff with it
0: excellent Jed uh, last question to you for today yeah um, let me put my researcher hat back on that I put on earlier this episode where I said hey I've collected a bunch of data. Uh, I've now convinced myself that I want to make it available on, uh, on Open Data on AWS. Uh, what's the process like? Uh, how does someone submit to you? Uh, and what can they expect uh, before their data set is made available?
1: Yeah, so uh, if you go to, again, opendata.aws, uh, if you scroll down, there's uh, information about the public data set program, which is the program that we use to, uh, to provide hosting for data. And what we're trying to do with the program is really show off examples of people providing really great data sets in, in, in ways that are easy to approach and easy for people to work with in the cloud. So uh, that's another way of saying you know, don't think of it as just free storage like it's a free FTP server. Um, you know, we're, we're happy to provide free storage for great data, but the, the intent of the program is really to, to show off ways to make data easier to, to work with um, and access. And uh, anyhow, so it' it's all it's all laid out there, what we're trying to do uh, and uh, there's there are terms and conditions for participating in the program. They're also there to to be reviewed. And uh, there's an application form. So you just fill out the form and, and let us know. And I'll just say this, you know what we're looking for when we're looking for data sets are uh, you know we're looking for demand for the data, so we want to be able to see like you know, is, is this data actually interesting? Would it be useful to a variety of people? Um, can we see evidence of that? And uh we also do consider the, the volume of the data you know, we do we do host some pretty large data sets but uh, uh, depending on the size of the data that's going to determine you know uh, how many approvals we, we need to get and how, how we need to think about how to go about it and then uh, and then we also want to find out you know who who's who's proposing this right uh, it it helps when we're working with customers that uh, we we've worked with before uh, or that you know we know they have a they have trust within their communities of, of providing, you know, reliable data. So I don't say that, you know, I don't want to discourage individual researchers from coming to us. We do host data that individual researchers have proposed. Um, but what we're looking for is evidence. Like, is is the, are the people proposing the data set and submitting the application? Are they really going to be able to work with us to promote usage of it? And uh, and that's it. So anyhow, it's it's all there, and there's just an online forum. and we are we look forward to submissions.
0: Excellent. Uh, to our listeners, again to recap, we've been speaking with Jed Sundwall today. He's the lead of the open data effort at AWS. We've also been speaking with Todd Stavish and Carl Nee at Lab Forty One. Uh, thank you all for listening. Jed, thank you for your time, and everyone else in the studio, thank you all for your time. We'll catch you next time on the Intel Podcast. I'm your host Vishal Sandesara, signing off.